You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is so good to talk to you once again. I haven't talked to you guys in like a day. Start getting withdrawals after a while, especially when I'm not doing my two-a-days. By the way, the reason I'm not doing the afternoon episodes is I was doing a lot of prepping for upcoming opponents. And since that's, I mean, I could do it, just feels a little too irrelevant. So I was like, mm, I'll just wait. I don't know if we want to listen to one year ago where I talk about the, I guess it, it might actually be a little bit interesting. Now I kind of wish I had done it. What my thoughts were on what the teams might be when we played them. I kind of want to know what my thoughts were. Oh, well, anyways, good to talk to you. On the docket for today, two things. Um, I mentioned how going through the running back thing yesterday made me want to kind of look at some things from different angles because you do something a certain way and you realize there are certain flaws, so you want to kind of do it from a different angle. Not that there was a perfect way, but, you know, just kind of change it up a little bit. And so what I started doing was looking at um, high do- who, are the, who are the high-dollar people, people on Super Bowl teams. I still want to do that, but that idea quickly got hijacked when I found something else productive to do. And I found something on, I believe it was over the cap. I, I don't know why I really like over the cap more than spot track. Depends what you're looking for, I guess. Um, I needed spot track for my last, when I was doing salary cap stuff. Just their layout worked a little bit better for that. But the point is, one of the things Over the Cap had was you can look back in history as far back as like 1994-ish and see a player's average per year. So, for example, a player gets $20 million on average per year. But they also added what percentage of the salary cap that average is. So if you're getting $20 million per year and the salary cap is $200 million, which is what I was operating with in this thing that we're about to do, then you're getting 10% of the cap. The reason that's interesting, and again, we can expand on this, but it's kind of a lot of work just getting this all laid out. What I did was I wanted to go every single position, quarterback, I'm talking fullbacks, kickers, punters, long snappers, every position. And I grabbed the highest, basically these are the highest contracts if you adjust for the salary cap. And the, and the reason that's interesting is because I kept saying yesterday and it was driving me nuts, I don't exactly know what a big contract is. It's all relative depending on the year. And so obviously some of the running back stuff changed. I don't want to delve into that too much because I don't want to contradict my an entire episode I just did yesterday. But we will talk a little bit about that. But it's, it's very cool to see what the biggest contracts of all time have. And I'll tell you what, some of these are in insane and I'm shocked but the other reason it's kind of cool it's not just some random thing like oh here's the biggest contracts of all time it gives some perspective in 2020 if we adjust for what is expected to be and again I just use 200 million as the salary cap it's supposed to be anywhere from like 195 to 210 or something so I just threw down 200 it gives us an idea of for example 
what does what kind of a contract should we expect from Kenny? I know we're saying 18, but adjusting for 2020 numbers, what were some of the biggest contracts of all time, and what would that equate to in today's dollars? And I'm telling you, man, some of this stuff I don't even believe. Like, I cannot believe this stuff happened. And it kind of gives you an idea of how good some of these guys really were. We hear best of all time at that position. And granted, some of this might just be ill-advised decisions by teams. But you see the disparity and, and put the salary that they got in today's dollars. And it's, I mean, some of these guys, and I don't want to give away anything. You got positions that are maybe third, fourth, fifth most important getting higher contracts than quarterbacks. I'm talking way higher. So that's that's that. The other thing I want to briefly talk about is Odell Beckham. I saw an article yesterday. The rumors are starting to swirl again. Packers are, you know, somebody from The Athletic predicted the Packers would get Odell Beckham. Um, This is just a thing that keeps popping up, so I want to briefly talk about that as well. We'll do that first, and then we'll do the fun stuff. And I know I didn't put the other thing on Patreon yesterday, but the plan is the running back thing from yesterday is going to go on Patreon, and this is as well. I'm always delayed in my promises, but uh, I'll, I'll come through eventually. Big thank you to Wombat Mode for the uh, Patreon donation. Very, very much appreciated. If anybody could spare so much as a dollar to support the podcast, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Again, my goal is to find 100 people that would be willing to support the podcast. If and when we get there, I was feeling pretty confident uh, until recently. (laughs) We're we're not getting there fast enough. Um, The goal will be to... Somebody will win, that is a patron, a giveaway, that is, you tell me what Packers t-shirt you want designed, I'll go out, get it designed for you, I'll get it shipped out to you, free of charge, obviously, and then we'll also be selling that shirt in the Teespring store that I have, so that will be the plan, but anyways, thank you for that, make sure you're in the Facebook group, make sure you like the Facebook page, and if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating or review, and if you're a Spotify listener, subscribe to the podcast on there, otherwise, let's take a break and talk about some stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Maybe just maybe this spring you follow your favorite baseball team to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, incredible food. Arizona's a perfect home base for baseball fans. You got 10 stadiums, 15 teams, 75-degree weather. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. You get to meet players. You get autographs before the games. And when you're done, you get to check out some of the restaurants, the bars. You got some of the breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet, Goldwater. You got live music, museums. And again, for most of you, several people live in Arizona in the listening audience, but for most of us, it's a part of the country we probably don't frequent very often. And so it's a different kind of an experience. I haven't been there since I was like five, but it'll be a good opportunity to check some stuff off your bucket list. So if you're ready to plan your spring training getaway, visit Arizona, actually visit, visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. All right, so the Odell Beckham thing all over again. As a general rule, I really don't dislike Odell. I know he's, I don't put him in the same camp as A.B., and obviously nobody's in the camp of A.B. anymore, but even last year when we didn't know he was this crazy, I still didn't quite put him in that camp. I would say he's more emotionally volatile, which can be a problem. 
He can be a locker room problem. He can be a distraction during the game. You know, you got the the Packers now are this kind of unified unit. They all get along. They all support each other. They're they're developing friendships and all this stuff. And then you throw a guy like Odell in there who's blaming everybody, and it could be a problem. But I don't mind him, and I also don't mind the the one bad year in in with the Browns because everybody had one bad year with the Browns last year. Just like everybody has one bad year every year, with the exception of like two years ago. Because it's the Browns, and that place is cursed, and no offense to Browns fans, but I think it's time for them to pack it up and move somewhere else. You know, because it's just, there's something in the air. The place is just cursed. The the biggest problem that I have with Odell Beckham, and I think it's a problem that Odell Beckham's going to have as far as wanting to get out of there, which I think he does. We'll see if he's interested in staying with Stefanski or whatever. He's probably fine. He's a lot like Stefan Diggs. The guy throws a temper tantrum, he cries, he wants to get traded, and then, then he kind of calms down and the hormones settle and he decides he's fine and everything's fine and whatever but it's when you look at the bevy of options that teams have right now that need wide receivers and the Packers are one of them and the Packers are a team who would love to have someone like Odell Beckham the fact of the matter is although his contract isn't crazy we're talking 14 15 million a year against the cap that's not bad especially for a guy like Odell the biggest issue that they're going to have is what you have to give the Browns if the Browns are looking for a first-round pick, and they probably are, this is dumb. I don't care who the team is, it's dumb. You don't do that. He is only 27, but he's not young. He's not emotionally stable. He's not cheap. I mean, $15 million might be cheap for Odell, but when you're paying Devontae 17 and Odell 15, you're putting a lot in your wide receivers. Then you factor in the fact that you've got options. I would much rather pay $18 million, even with Devontae, for a top-tier wide receiver that's a free agent, then give Odell $15 million and lose a first-round draft pick. No way, no how, never. At the end of the day, you still have to build through the draft. You can do a lot through free agency, but if you're not building through the draft so that you have players that can constantly be replacing, you run out of dollars. There's only, only so many dollars that you have. You can't build every single position through free agency. There's not enough money. Free agents are expensive. And if you're giving away first-round picks so that you can spend extra money in free agency, Chicago Bears, that's when your team starts to fall apart. So if you want to do it once in a while, fine. I, j- I just don't get it, especially in a year in which we're talking about, I mean, there's just wide receivers upon what I Yesterday, because the biggest problem for me a lot of times since I, I don't I'm not like one of these draft guys like Mark Jarvis or one of the guys at the Draft Network who just watch film like 24 hours a day. It's hard to contextualize it. And sometimes when you just watch mostly first-round guys, you're sitting there going, meh, what's the big deal? And I remember doing that one time. I think I was watching like an edge, or no, it was a line. I was watching linebackers. And I'm like, what's the big deal with some of these guys? And then I think it was like Sam Barrington, I believe is who it was. I was like, Let, let's see what this guy was like in college. He was a seventh round draft pick, if that's the right guy. And I watched him in college. And, you know, Barrington wasn't that bad of a linebacker for the Packers as far as Packers linebackers go. And I remember watching him and just going, this guy is horrible. Oh, my goodness. So it gave me that perspective, right? So I wanted to do that with wide receivers yesterday. So I kind of went down the list on the big board. And there's first and second round guys, and then there's a big drop-off down to a guy by the name of Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's ranked on, on TDN's big board, I think, 75th. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this guy. I'm going to watch a guy that's terrible, and then I'll get some perspective on some of these first-round guys. I like him. I thought he was awesome. I don't know why he's even so so low on this board. i got to you know check my board. Actually, why don't I do that right now because i got a little bit of time here, and I'm just curious. 
I messed up my numbers on here. Sorry for the big board, folks. This I forgot to resort those. But he's like 105th. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe that was just a fluke where he's just going to be one of those guys that I like that nobody else does. I don't get it. 6'2", 210, and the dude is just killing people with his route. Sometimes he gets stuck, but his hands are unbelievable. But anyways, that wasn't really the point. Point is, the depth at wide receiver in this class is silly. If they don't get Donovan until the fourth round, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I mean, if they get a first or second round wide receiver and then get Donovan in the fourth round, I'm going to freak. Plus, super long name, hyphenated name like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He would be the MVS replacement. Now, I don't, I don't know how fast. He looks fast to me. I, I terrible judge of speed on the field, but he does not seem to have a problem with that. And either way, I don't have a super big problem with it. But again, getting back to it, the depth and the talent at wide receiver, plus the free agents, which are a much better value than a trade, and you want to go get Odell Beckham, who's a little bit of a hothead, maybe a lot of bit of a hothead. The guy's been fined like 75 times. I mean, he got fined twice as a Brown. Uniform violation, unsportsmanlike conduct. He's got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 uh, fines with the Giants and even had a one-game suspension back in 2015 for uh, his little flare-up with Josh Norman. I mean, a lot of this is him just getting into fights. His first fine, his role in a brawl. 2015, removing his helmet. 2015, multiple altercations. 2015, his Josh Norman thing. Excessive celebration, blindside hit. Unsportsmanlike conduct, unsportsmanlike conduct, verbal abuse and excessive profanity towards an official. Uniform violation, wearing cleats with a message. Excessive celebration. I mean, it's just it's just that little stuff that it's like, dude, stop. Just stop. So in terms of value, unless the Browns are like, you know, just give us whatever, which I doubt. But again, I just, I would rather double up in the draft, you know, second and fourth round. Or go free agency and first and or second round. All of these things feel like much better values than Odell Beckham. And again, the biggest sticking point, not even so much his personality, it's the trade capital that you have to give up. I wouldn't consider it if you if they wanted a first or second round, and there's no way they want less than a second round pick for Odell Beckham. You start talking third round, okay, maybe that's worth consideration. But again, you still have to factor in your other options. Why don't I just go get somebody else that's going to cost about as much that's maybe even younger, that maybe doesn't have the upside. I shouldn't say upside if I'm thinking Brashad Perriman because he does have that upside, but he's probably not as talented as Odell Beckham. But still, he's going to cost less. I don't have to give up any draft capital, and he's younger, and he's taller, and he's faster. I just, you know, again, I'm not saying Brashad is, is Odell, but the point is a lot of this is name recognition. Brashad Perriman is probably going to be undervalued, because he doesn't have the body of work, Odell Beckham is going to be massively overvalued. Don't overvalue people. That's how you waste cap. That's how you lose picks. That's how your team starts to erode. You have to find good value, and I don't think there's any way Odell Beckham provides the value you have to pay for him. I don't see any way in which that happens. So that's my thought. Again, like I've said a billion times, i said it about AB and everything else. If the Packers pull the trigger and get Odell Beckham, am I going to be upset? I'm going to be upset about losing the pick, but I'm going to be elated. And I'm going to be on here screaming about how exciting this is, and this is going to be a new era, and this offense has the potential to be this and that and the other thing. Of course. But am I doing it? No. Do I think Gutekunst is going to do it? No. In fact, I have a hard time, given all the options, thinking that a lot of teams are going to do it. Now, maybe after this free agency period passes, after the draft, teams are going to reassess things and go, you know what, we're in a bit of a bind here. And might start picking up the phone and making some calls. But at this point, nope, sorry.
So anyways, that is my thought on that. I want to start turning to this little project that I have done now. And what I want to do is kind of go position by position and then maybe just pausing on some of the positions that we could possibly see the Packers spend money on. Because the funny thing is, and, and also another interesting thing about this, you can see generationally the difference. So some of the stuff you can look at and say, if they want to break the record, like with court, well, let's just start with quarterback and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So on an adjusted basis, first of all, let me just say certain teams like to spend a lot of money on certain positions. The Packers spend a lot of money at quarterback. Two of the three highest paid quarterback contracts ever, at least as far back as they go, like I said, for oldest I could see was 1994. So we'll say going back to 1994, two of the three biggest contracts ever given was uh, 2018 Aaron Rodgers is the third biggest contract ever, getting 18.9%. So to contextualize that, if somebody were given Aaron Rodgers' contract today, which is funny because Russell's like, I want, it, I want more than Rodgers got. Well, you did technically, but given that it was a year later, if you wanted to adjust for the salary cap, you should have been given more money. He actually, on an average per year basis, got less. Even though Aaron Rodgers got 33 and a half and he got 35 on average, with you know more guaranteed, I mean it's more money, but as a percentage, it's still lower than Aaron Rodgers. But today's contract, if somebody were to be given Aaron Rodgers' contract, it would be thirty-seven point eight million. That's how big of a jump it is. Now again, we don't exactly know even what the salary cap is, and depending on the CBA, that could make a big impact. If if the CBA goes through the roof as far as salary cap, which it might if they get a seventeenth game, because guys are going to want more money for playing more. That's going to be huge for everybody. It also completely wipes out some of these big contracts. For example, this happened to the Green Bay Packers on the biggest ever contract given to a quarterback, and that was 1997. Brett Favre signed a contract worth $7.8 million per year. Doesn't sound like a mega contract, $12 million guaranteed. But at that time, in 1997, that was 19% of the salary cap. It would have been the equivalent of $38 million. That's how much that meant back in 1997. Now, the, the cool thing, and I, I only know this because I've looked back in the past, this percentage dropped massively in 1998 because there was a massive jump in the salary cap that year. So he went from being the, the highest of all time, ridiculous, why would you ever pay somebody this much money, down to just like a mediocre-ish, like this, <laughs> this isn't even that much anymore. So it was brilliantly timed by the Packers. I don't know, I don't know if it was on purpose and if they anticipated it or not. But if they did, this was perfect, right? Give him just the biggest contract ever. And the next year, it's not even that big of a deal. And quarterbacks are going to start passing him like it's nothing. But the only interesting thing here with quarterback, because Aaron Rodgers isn't getting a contract extension, but you start talking about guys like Pat Mahomes. I mean, it seems silly to think, you know, thirty. how much beyond 35 are we going to go? Because we get stuck in these numbers. Like, 30 is still big to us. Like, we just crossed 30 not that long ago. And the thing is, the numbers are going to grow even faster because it goes up on a percentage basis. So the percentages stay the same, but as the numbers get bigger, the percentages means a higher growth every year, right? If, if the salary cap was $100 million and it was going up 5%, it would go up $5 million. Once we get to $200 million, it goes up $10 million. So the difference between then and now is an additional $5 million jump every single year. And so these jumps seem to get crazier and crazier, and we think that teams are being more and more irresponsible, and really that's not the case. This is just what happens. This is prosperity, ladies and gentlemen. But if, if Pat Mahomes were to get a... Ma and, and, and he will. That's the thing. We, we start talking about what Pat Mahomes is going to get. I think if he gets less than $37 million, his his agent is garbage. 
Brett Favre got 19 million. Aaron Rodgers just recently got 18.9. By the way, um, that's actually tied for second with Carson Palmer in 2005 with the Bengals. He got a $16.1 million contract, but it was 18.9%. Bottom line is, Pat Mahomes should be getting at least, and, and 37 is even garbage. That's what Russell Wilson got. Russell Wilson got uh, 18.6%, which is 37.2. Bottom line is, Pat Mahomes is everything Rodgers and Wilson are, but a lot younger. And so you lock him up now on this big mega contract worth a ton of money. And to be honest, if he hits 38, I wouldn't be shocked. If he ties or Brett Favre for the biggest average per year of all time, really wouldn't be that shocked. And again, if it's if it's 37 or less, his his agent is trash. But I don't know if I mentioned this. I did the top 20. Is that what I had said? Um, as far as active contracts, Aaron Rodgers is third. Russell Wilson is fifth in 2019. Ben Roethlisberger's 2019 contract is ninth. Jared Goff's contract is 11th. And remember, we're talking basically all time, which is why this is crazy. Aaron Aaron Rodgers on here again, by the way. His last contract was the 10th highest. It was the equivalent of about $35.8 million when we gave him 22. And that wasn't even that long ago. It was seven years ago. We gave him $22 million. That's the equivalent of 35.8. That's what I'm talking about, about how crazy this cap is going up and how fast it's going up. By the way, we got Brett Favre on here two more times with the Jets in 2001. It was the 13th highest. Brett Favre with the Packers in 2000. Oh, wait, no. See, this is it does. This is where it gets confusing. So it, his contract was with the Packers, and then he got traded with the Jets. So that he's on here twice for that. But his other tw- 2001 contract with the Packers, which carried over to the Jets, was um, 13th highest. And then other active contracts, Carson Wentz 2019, Matt Ryan 2018. So several 2018 and 2019 contracts were massive. Quarterbacks are as highly valued now as they've ever been. The fact that six out of the last 20 have been signed in the last two years, and several of these guys are still playing, they're just not on these same contract. Drew Brees' contract in 2012, he's still in the NFL, he's just got a new contract. So, yeah, qu- quarterbacks have, have probably never been valued as high, which is which is perfect for guys like Pat Mahomes. And, he, and even Dak, to be honest, I don't think he's going to get anything this crazy. But if Dak gets like a Jared Goff kind of contract or a Carson Wentz, again, these are some of the highest contracts. You know, if you adjust the the Matt Ryan contract, it's $33.8 million. If you look at Jared Goff's contract, it equates to 35.6. Man, can you imagine giving Dak that? No, thank you. Whatever. That's Dallas's problem. Running back. Now, this is interesting because we talked about it yesterday. And it's a lot of the same names we talked about. However, there are some of the really old contracts. Again, because the salary cap was so low back in the 90s, some of these contracts I looked at as being not superstar contracts really were. And so as far as active contracts, and this kind of goes to show where there's been a drop-off in percentages given to running back. The only two active contracts that are in the top 20 are Todd Gurley's current contract, which is ranked 14th. He signed it in 2018. In today's dollars, it's about $16.2 million average. Ezekiel Elliott's contract in 2019 for $15 million is 15th highest. But let me just read off some of these because this is one of those examples of contracts that you're just going to have to hear to believe. Because it feels like, just, just think in today's dollars, paying $15, $16 million for, for a running back, which seems ridiculous, although Ezekiel and Ted, Todd Gurley are getting that. But let me go up the list a little bit. Reggie Bush in 2006, we already talked about him, third and fifth highest or on the roster for running backs. Terrible decision to pay him a bunch of money. In 2006, he got $8.7 million. In today's dollars, that's $17.2 million. Again, we're talking about percentage of the cap. So this is, it's, it's the equivalent, how it hurt the Saints 
as bad as it would hurt a team today if they paid $17.2 million. Insane. By the way, that's only the 11th highest contract ever given. It's about to get real crazy. In uh, 2005, Edger and James, 2015, Adrian Peterson, and 2004, Ladanian Tomlinson. Tomlinson got $8 million, AP got 14, Edger and James got 8. Those are the equivalent of over $19 million. $19 million in today's dollars. We're not done. Clinton Portis in 2004, he signed an $8.2 million contract. That's the equivalent of $19.8 million. You want to talk about valuing running back. How about 2011 Chris Johnson? Which, by the way, it looks like, depending on, you know, the, as far as top 10 goes, well, AP in 2015. So there haven't been that many in the last 10 years that have been massively paid. But Chris Johnson in 2011 signed a $13.5 million contract. In 2011, that's the equivalent of $22.4 million. $22.4 million for Chris Johnson. Now, don't forget how great he was. There's no question the guy's a freak, but just try to think today with what we know about running backs and how you don't want to pay running backs. And even today, if you pay a running back 15, 16, everyone's like, what are you doing? Imagine paying $22 million for a running back. But that's only the sixth highest contract. Curtis Martin in 1998 got a $6 million contract. Adrian Peterson in 2011 got a $14.2 million contract. That's 23 and 23.6 million in today's dollar. That's what that's what the Vikings paid AP in 2011, the equivalent of 23.6 million dollars. We've got three more, all three were in the 90s. Emmett Smith, third highest contract of all time in 1996 got paid 5.8 million dollars on average. That is the equivalent in today's dollar. This is unbelievable. So the last one was 23.6, this would be 28.4 million dollars this is we're getting into quarterback money territory there, there, there's nobody getting 28 that's not a quarterback right now i think khalil's getting like 25 26 emmett smith in 96 got 28.4 million in today's dollars the second highest of all time 1998 terrell davis of the of the denver broncos got 7.8 million dollars as the equivalent of 29.8 million and then the number one guy in 1997, same year we got the highest paid quarterback of all time, Barry Sanders, the Detroit Lions gave Barry Sanders a $6.54 million contract. In today's dollars, that's the equivalent of $31.6 million. $31.6 million Barry Sanders got paid in 97. 15.8% of the salary cap. That is unbelievable. That wouldn't quite make the top 10 in quarterbacks, but it's very close. Or top 20 in quarterbacks, but it's very close. As far as one of the highest contracts ever given, that is unbelievable. So again, when we're looking at what is a high price, and again, these are top 20 of all time, so I don't know exactly what reasonable is, and that's something else I wanted to do until I got totally consumed by this. What is the reasonable salary cap percentage for a position? But let's just look at the the lowest on here. Again, 7.4%. If you want to give somewhat of a mega contract, I think you should be in top 20 of all time-ish range. Again, that's what Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott got. So we're looking at about 15-ish, $14.8 million is kind of, I guess, the going rate for superstar running backs at a minimum. Now, we're never going to see $30 million for a running oh, I shouldn't say never. We'll see how the NFL evolves, but that, that those days are long gone. Fullback, not surprisingly, there are not a ton of high-dollar fullbacks in today's NFL because there's no fullbacks anymore. However, interestingly enough, Kyle Juszczyk, in 2017, he signed a contract for $5.25 million, took a, take out, taking up 3.1% of the cap. 
highest fullback contract of all time. I'm not going to go through all of these because it's not that interesting, but it is a little bit interesting. And if you think about the role that guys like Kyle Juszczyk play, it's, it's funny because it's weird to not see a lot of people here, but yet acknowledge that they're very valuable when you can find them. People don't like to use them. Don't bother putting a lot of energy in finding them. You can draft them in, in, in the sixth round just because nobody cares until then. But yet, if you find a good one, the 49ers are willing to pay the highest ever. Equivalent in today's dollars of $6.2 million is what the 49ers gave Kyle Juszczyk. The only other fullback that's on the top 20 that is active is Patrick DeMarco of the Bills in 2017. Got 2.1, equivalent of 2.6 today. Wide receivers, as we look at inking wide receivers. In the top 20, and we talk about, you know, guys getting like 18-ish million or whatever is like a mega contract. That's what it was maybe back in the day, although Julio just got 22. That should kind of wake us up to where we're at with, with wide receivers. But the lowest in the top 20 in today's dollars was Des Bryant in 2015 getting $14 million, which is the equivalent today of 19.6. That's where we're at right now. In 2020 cap dollars, a top 20 contract puts you at 19.6. As far as active contracts, Odell Beckham's 2018 uh, contract with the Browns was the equivalent of $20.4 million. He signed it for $18 million. Michael Thomas this past year signing a $19.25 million contract is the equivalent of $20.4 this year. So again, 20 is just kind of the going rate. Odell Beckham, Thomas, A.J. Green in 2015 signed a $15 million contract. What does that equate to? $21 million. Julio Jones signed a $22 million contract, equivalent of 23.4 this year. So if you are a superstar, which I don't know who that would be, maybe Amari. I don't know if he quite qualifies for that. I don't know if he's on the Odell, Michael Thomas, A.J. Green, Julio tier. I think if they pay him that, that's insane. But that's what you're getting if you're like a top five wide receiver. You're getting 20 plus. Now, Julio's contract was one of the biggest of all time, is the fifth highest ever, 23.4 again. However, it gets crazier, and it gets super crazy. So from 23, there is a giant jump. In 2011, Larry Fitzgerald got $16.1 million. That is the equivalent of $26.8 million in today's money. Now, part of this is understanding how much it was back then, but also part of this is probably to get us to understand that 26 isn't as much as we think. That's the other side of this. 26 isn't what we feel like 26 is. Right? Again, 26 is what 16 used to be a little while ago, so we have to adjust our understanding of what money is. It was like when I went to school and we learned about, you know, I, I work in a hospital setting with machines, and my instructor, when I went to college, he told me, you just have to change your understanding of, of dollar, right? You know, five grand, 10 grand, that's that's nothing. That's that's like five or 10 bucks in, in your daily budget. You know, when somebody wants to come out to fix something, they're going to charge you 500 bucks an hour. And you just say, okay, sounds good, and you call them in, and they come in. I mean, it's just it's just a different world. So we got to adjust our understanding of what 26 million is, but that's still a ridiculously high number. The third highest ever, 2012 Calvin Johnson. The Lions gave him 16.2 million in 2012. That would be actually it's tied with with Larry Fitzgerald, but it's the equivalent of 26.8 again. So Larry and Calvin actually tied for third. The second highest ever. Again, the Minnesota Vikings are on this list. Vikings and Lions and Packers have been at the top of every list. 2001 Randy Moss. $9 million. In today's dollars, that's $27 million given to Randy Moss. And then the highest ever, as you can probably guess, kind of cool to look at it though, ridiculously high value. 1996, Jerry Rice got a contract for $5.8 million. Doesn't seem like much, but in today's dollars, that's $28.4 million. 
Jerry Rice was getting contract or was getting quarterback money, man. Not very good quarterback money, but it's quarterback money. One of the more interesting ones was tight end because the again, it's it's not understanding correctly the dollars of thing. My thought is Jimmy Graham is I mean, he is the highest paid guy at 10 million, which is ridiculous and all that's true, but contextualizing highest contracts of all time just because he's getting paid a lot now doesn't necessarily mean much. So let me tell you what I mean. Jimmy Graham is on this list. Jimmy Graham is the highest on this list of anybody, but it has nothing to do with his contract with the Packers. He is on the list, but he's not in the top 20. He was actually 21st. So the contract that he signed with the Packers was the 21st highest of all time. According to current contracts, in 2016, Jordan Reed's contract is the equivalent of about $12 million bucks. Travis Kelsey, exact same thing. In fact, there's four guys that are at 6%, which kind of seems like a... There's a lot of static. Now, 5.7, a lot of guys have 5.7%. Tony Gonzalez, several times. Jared Cook with the Rams. Vernon Davis with the Broncos. Tony Gonzalez, again. That would be the equivalent of 11.4. Zach Miller with the Seahawks in 2011, 11.2. Mercedes Lewis with the Jaguars, 11.2. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at Jimmy Graham's contract that he signed with the Saints that he later carried over to the Seahawks that he signed in 2014, was the equivalent of about $15 million. He signed a 10-year contract back then, too. But again, the difference in $10 million then and $10 million now is $5 bucks. So it's still way too much. I'm not trying to say it's a reasonable contract because it's not. It's, it's far from reasonable. But understand that $10 million isn't even in the top 20 these days. So you're looking at, you know, George Kittle getting a contract. Whenever that happened, he'd be getting probably a 12-ish million dollar contract. Now, the reason that's interesting is what does that mean for Austin Hooper? Does Austin Hooper deserve one of these top contracts? Maybe not. I mean, the Seahawks gave Zach Miller um, one of the top 20 contracts, which is silly. And we know the Packers love to overpay for guys. The Packers paid Jermichael Finley, was the 11th highest paid uh, tight end in 2012 when he got $7 million. That was the equivalent of $11.6 million. So the Packers like tight ends. They like to overpay tight ends. You know, Austin Hooper being offered 10 11 even $12 million wouldn't be all that surprising. So we'll have to monitor that. Obviously, a lot of Packer fans want Austin Hooper to come here. We got to see what the got to see what the competition is because there's not a lot of good options at tight end. It's not a great draft class for it. I don't know if anybody is a lock first round. There's a couple that get talked about. I watched Cole Komet. I got to be honest, I didn't like him at all. I didn't think he did anything all that impressive. Somebody was talking about he's a great receiver and a great blocker. I thought he was an abysmal blocker. I thought he was terrible. I didn't see him execute a block once. So I don't get the Cole Komet thing. I don't think there are top-tier tight ends. I haven't watched a lot of them, but I just, you know, it's, it's thin. It's the exact opposite of the Odell Beckham thing. How much willing are you? How much more are you willing to pay for the only good tight end option this entire year compared to paying Odell Beckham plus giving up draft capital, plus you got a, a draft that's stocked with them, and you got a bunch of good free agent options? It's, it's very different. So, you know, if Austin Hooper ends up getting $12 million, don't be super surprised. Now, offensive line is kind of funny because there's definitely a trend, and the trend is the right side of the line is suddenly important. So left tackle, left guard, it's always been important, right? You got about, you know, not quite a little less than half of the biggest contracts are today's contract, but you've got contract. The second highest contract was from 1999. The highest was from 2000. Left tackles have always been incredibly important, but as teams start bringing pressure from every part of the line, especially on the right side, paying a lot of money for people on the right side has become not more important, but you're starting to see contracts equal 
what the other side is. So, for example, the right guard, the top one, two, three, four, five, six. So six of the top seven contracts ever. Actually, excuse me, seven of the top seven. Actually, eight of the top eight are from 2016, if we want to go from there. Eight of the top eight contracts are from 2016, and six of the top eight are active contracts right now. And the fact of the matter is, the percentage being given to right guards has just equaled what left guards used to get, because left guard used to be a premium, and you just got paid as a, less as a right guard. Now, right tackle isn't quite where left tackle is, despite the fact that the highest paid tackle might be a right tackle. I don't know that for sure. But as a percentage... It hasn't quite seen the crazy percentages that left tackles have gotten in the past. Um, There hasn't ever been a Packer in the top 20. The reason this might be relevant, what does this mean for David Bakhtiari? In terms of current contract, the highest current contract on this list for left tackles was Trent Williams in 2015. He got a $13.2 million contract. In today's dollars, that's 18.4. So, 18, 19 million is not impossible for a top tier left tackle. At the low end, the 20th contract, 2013, uh, Brandon Albert with the Chiefs, 9.8 million is the equivalent of about 16. As far as crazy contracts that we haven't seen in a very long time, 2004, Jonathan Ogden, 8.3 million is the equivalent of 20 million dollars. Jason Peters in 2009 got the equivalent of 21 million. Tony Baselli in 1999 got the equivalent of $22.6 million. And Jonathan Ogden, again on this list, the Ravens love this guy, in 2000 got a contract worth $24 million in, in today's dollars. Again, just trying to get you to understand what crazy money looks like. Like if you had somebody that at left tackle that was like the GOAT, you could expect a contract into the 20s, potentially. I don't know if that person exists today, but I'm just saying. Guards, we don't have to super worry about, but we'll talk about it anyways just to, again, talk about where the position is at. Again, left guard and right guard are now equivalent, and, and a ton of right guards in today's dollars are current contract. But the, the top end for left guard and right guard is 7.9%, which is $15.8 million. The highest paid left guard uh, contract, 2018, Andrew Norwell got 13.3. That's the equivalent of $15 million. And uh, Osemele got one in 2016, so not that long ago, worth worth 15 million also. So roughly 15 million for top tier, and there are several top tier guards out there that are on the mark. It wouldn't be that surprising to see them get 15 million dollars. It also, by the way, helps to put into context the Billy Turner signing because we think guards were thinking four, five million bucks. So when a guy gets seven, eight million, it's like, dude, this is a huge contract. Not realizing that huge contracts are. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million. It's the only one Packer who made this list was Josh Sitton's contract in 2011 worth 6.8 million. In today's dollars, it'd be about 11.4, worth every penny. The guy was a freak. Centers obviously are a little bit less. Um, the highest ever was Ryan Khalil of the Panthers in 2011, got an $8 million contract. In today's dollars, $13.6 million. The highest current contract, and a lot of these were, were close, some of the really high ones, 2011, 14, 14, 15, 15. But the highest active contract, uh, Brandon Linder, 2017, got $10.3 million, the equivalent of 12.4. So, talking about Corey Lindsley, I was saying it's possible they move on from Corey Lindsley, but I also talked about the very slight possibility that maybe they just extend him if they really like him. He's still relatively young. He's got one more year left. What would a top dollar extension look like? Well, every one of these contracts is 10, 11, or 12 million. These high dollar contracts. 
So it would be roughly 10, which is funny because he's getting 10 right now. At least that's what he's counting against the cap. So paying the guy 10 million bucks is a massive average per year contract for Corey Lindsley. But for the Packers, it's like, whatever, we're paying him 10 anyways. And we get to cut some of the money out of the cap for this year. It's so who cares? I don't think that's going to happen. But again, this is just where centers are at right now. High dollar centers, they're over 10 million now. Right guard, same as left guard, 7.9%, $15.8 million is what top-tier right guards are getting, and that's just kind of the going rate for right guards because, again, this is a new thing. you got to load up on the right side of the line. Packers went out and got Billy Turner. He wasn't obviously a super high-priced guy. Uh, Zach Martin got $14 million. Brandon Brooks got $14 million. Kevin Zeitler uh, in 2017 got 12. That's the equivalent of 14.4. Trey Turner in 2017 got 11.2. Gabe Jackson for the Raiders got 11. David DeCastro got 10. Kyle Long in 2016 got 10, worth about 12.8 in today's dollar. So if, if you can play really well at right guard and a team doesn't have a right guard, they'll pay a premium for it. Unfortunately, we tried to satisfy that, and we did not do a very good job, which actually would be something interesting to look into. What flexibility do we have for Billy Turner? Because I don't want I don't want to be in a position to say, well, we paid him a ton of money, so we have to play him. I wouldn't mind trying to find other options. I know they like him. I know he fits the scheme. The guy just, whatever, not the biggest fan. I wasn't the biggest fan when we got him, by the way. And then right tackles. Obviously, it's interesting because the question is, what do we do with Brian Balaga? Right tackle, very similar to right guard. They're they're getting a premium right now because right side of the line is super important. Teams are paying out like crazy. The, the top two highest paid ever for a right tackle, even for adjusted dollars, was last year. Lane Johnson in 2019 got $18 million. That's way higher. The, the highest prior to last year, you had 2016 was 7.2%. It was about a $14.4 million. That was the highest ever for a right tackle. That number went from 144 to 17.6 when Trent Brown signed with the Raiders in 2019 getting 16.5. That was a groundbreaking. No right tackle has ever been paid that much. And then Lane Johnson signs with the Eagles for 18 million. 19.2 in today's dollars. That's I mean, we're talking we're 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 now close to 20 million dollars for a right tackle. So, I don't know what Brian Balaga is paying, but the bottom line is teams recognize how important the right tackle position is. It is almost as important as the left tackle. In my opinion, it is as important. There's nothing Brian Balaga had to do that that or, or David Bakhtiari had to do that, Brian Balaga didn't. In fact, I would say Brian Balaga had tougher matchups than David Bakhtiari most of the time. Most of these really top-tier guys that, that, that the Packers face, Von Miller lines up a lot on the right, Khalil Mack mostly on the right. Most of these guys are versatile, they'll go left and right, but a lot of them have stationed themselves on the right side of the line. And the fact of the matter is, although the right tackles have never gotten as high as like Jonathan Ogden in 2000, it is higher than Trent Williams, who is the highest ever paid left tackle as far as current contracts at 18.4. Basically, the highest ever right tackle contract is the equivalent of what Joe Thomas got in 2011. But there are no active contracts at left tackle that are as high as a percentage. I'm not talking dollar. I'm talking about as a percentage as the right tackles are getting paid right now. That should be concerning for the Packers. Because if you want to satisfy that, you you better make a move in the draft, and there's a lot of good options, but they're probably going to go very early. Uh, Wills is going to go probably top 10. You got guys like Becton, Andrew Thomas. You know, I, Presumably you want to put these guys at left tackle, but again, I don't think there's that distinction anymore. If, if he can play right tackle and you need a right tackle, you put him at right tackle and you're not losing value. 
Tristan Wirfs is another one. These guys are going to go really early. And so it, it, the bottom line is what I'm realizing is how important right guard and right tackle is. They have to get this figured out. I think they just need to re-sign Balaga and be done with it. But if they don't, they're going to have to do something drastic. If they don't re-sign him, you almost have to go out and, and draft a tackle in the first round. You have to. You might have to trade up and get him. Because, again, remember, we looked at this. If you don't draft a tackle in the first round, you wasted your time. It was an absolute waste because the track record for tackles in the second round or later, massive drop-off. The amount of David Bakhtiari's in the league, are that is an unbelievably rare thing. So please sign Balaga. Just do it. I don't know what kind of a contract he's going to take, but if he's willing to take like $15 million, that is the biggest no-brainer in the world. Because currently, veteran right tackles are getting the equivalent of about $17, $18, million. Hopefully it'll be closer to Juwan James getting about 13.6. If he'll take 13.6, you ink him right now. Anyways, let's take uh, one more break, and then we'll flip over to the defensive side of things. Some other massive superstars over there. Nothing crazy in a while, but just you wait. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, defensive tackles, looking at you, Kenny Clark. So the assumption is the going rate for a guy is about $18 million. The problem with that assumption is that we're assuming that Kenny Clark isn't going to get a mega contract. <laughs> Let's look at some of the current active giant contract. Because let me tell you where I was operating from before. Because again, I forget to do the adjustment in my brain. I look at it and say, Aaron Donald got 22 and a half, but he's not Aaron Donald. Right? So he's not going to get Aaron Donald money. Here's the problem, though. That was signed in 2018. That's two contract cycles ago. We've had two 5% increases in the salary cap, or roughly that. Since then, do you know what Aaron Donald's contract is worth in today's dollars? $25.4 million. So if there's another Aaron Donald out there, he's not getting 22 and a half, he's getting 25. Now, that was the third highest contract ever, which we'll talk about some of the other higher ones, but I want to look at this a little more closely because I want to narrow in on, on something that's giving me heart palpitation. Fletcher Cox. I'm looking at active contracts now. Fletcher Cox's contract with the Eagles in 2016. He signed a six-year contract, right? It was six years, $17 million in 2016. Do you know what that's worth today? 
This is the 11th highest contract, by the way. $22 million. So if we're still thinking $18 million back in 2018 dollars, you're really talking about $22 million, roughly. Kwan Short in 2017 signed a $16 million contract. That's about $19.2 million in today's dollar. Geno Atkins in 2018, not a young buck, right? This is not a young guy. Super talented, yeah. But you're looking at Chris Jones about to get paid. What do you think he's going to get paid? He's the best defensive tackle not locked up, right? Uh, not named Aaron Donald, supposedly. He's as good as they come. The problem Packer fans have is I don't see any difference between Chris Jones and Kenny Clark. They have been the same guy the, the whole time. Both of them were not that great rookie years. They had massive second years. This past year, they both struggled in the beginning of the year and then came on real strong. In this, I mean, they are clones of each other. And I'm looking at this saying, what is the big number for, for a defensive tackle this year? There's no way it comes in under $20 million. <clears throat> Geno Atkins' contract, it did come in under $20. It was, it, in today's dollars, $18.4 million. He signed a $17 million contract, but this is a four-year contract with a guy that's in his 30s. Again, what do you pay a young stud? I, I, just, I would be shocked if Chris Jones gets $18 million. I think at a minimum he's getting 19 Minimum. And if it's up into the 20s, do not be surprised. And again, what does that mean for Kenny Clark? And the, and the bottom line is, well, we don't have to pay Kenny Clark. Okay, that's fine. But $20 million becomes $22 million next year just so you know. And this is all based on the assumption that it's only going to be $200 million, the salary cap this year. If it ends up being 210, all these numbers go up. Because you're not paying them. The, the dollars don't mean anything. It's all about the percentage of the salary cap. What percentage are you worth of all of our money? As far as highest ever, two guys got paid more than Aaron Donald. 2015, the Miami Dolphins paid Indomitian Sue $19 million. And I remember that was one of the... I, I lost respect for the Dolphins in a, on a massive scale that year because they paid quarterback money to a defensive tackle, which I thought was dumb, and it was. Especially since he's not Aaron Donald. When Aaron Donald gets 22, it's like, I guess I get it. He's basically just a pass rusher. And Dominican Sue, though? No, sorry. In today's dollars, that was like giving him $26.6 million. Highest ever. Want to take a guess? 1998. Think about it. It's not that hard to figure out. Dominant, dominant, dominant defensive tackle. Think Brett Favre getting into it with somebody. It was Warren Sapp. Five years, $7 million contract. In today's dollars, $27 million he got. Massive, massive. But again, don't forget, Aaron Donald, that equivalent is $25 million, 25.4. If Chris Jones gets a $22, $23 million contract, don't be super surprised. In fact, if it's if it ends up being like 22 because what, what the team will do is they'll try to, try to sell it like, look, we'll give you the Aaron Donald contract, which I doubt the agent is dumb, but the agent also wants to get a deal done, so they might present it as due. That's that's big time. Like, you're getting 22 and a half. That's what Aaron Donald got. Not realizing that actually Aaron Donald got about 25.4 in today's dollar. But still, it means something. It's no different than than uh, Russell Wilson being sold on a contract that's just a little bigger than Aaron Rodgers. All right, I want a bigger contract. Did he get one? No, he didn't get a bigger contract than Aaron Rodgers. He gets paid less on a percentage basis of the of the cap than Rodgers did, but he just wants in actual dollars more money. So again, if you present it as we'll give you the same amount of money as Aaron Donald, which in real dollars it is the same. You're getting paid the same as Aaron Donald, depending on guarantees and all that stuff, but whatever. So that would I mean if if the uh if the Chiefs would offer that, he would take it in a second. I don't know if he'll get that much, but I'm just saying. 
And the, and the problem is that makes me nervous because Kenny Clark is going to be waiting in the wings. And if, if Chris Jones gets a $20-plus million contract, Kenny isn't taking anything less than that. No chance. He's not getting a, given a hometown discount. So you can forget about $18 million. Um, edge rushers. Again, $17 million. That's ridiculous or whatever. I keep saying 17 but I don't think it's 17 Fact of the matter is, though, edge rushers are getting, even even in today's dollar, and, and by the way, there are some ridiculous, there's one especially that is just an insane, we're talking actual quarterback money. We're talking Aaron Rodgers type money that some one guy got, I'll give you some time to think about it, 1999, one guy as the highest ever. Um, the only Packer on this list, by the way, Clay Matthews in 2013 got 13.2 million, was the equivalent of 21.4. So think about that contextually. Let me look it up so I'm saying the right number for once. So $16.5 million is what Zedarius got. It feels crazy. It feels like that's a lot of money. Contrast that with me for a moment, if you will, with Clay Matthews getting the equivalent of $21.4 million. And this is in 2013. This is, this is when he signs a contract and then doesn't become a good football player. This isn't like, well, maybe he was good for a couple years around then, but still. But if you want to know what, what the going rate is, Olivier Vernon, when he signed with the Browns in 2016, that was in 2016? That doesn't seem right. There must have been a lot of back and forth because that doesn't make sense. But anyways, oh no, I'm, I'm dumb. See, they keep doing that. It was signed with the Giants in 2016, but then he transferred to the Browns and they carried it. But that contract that he's currently carrying with the Browns that he signed in 2016 was for $17 million. In today's dollars, 21.8. That's what Olivier Vernon got. That's what his contract is worth. Frank Clark with the Chiefs, $20 million. In today's dollars, 22. Demarcus Lawrence in 2019 signed a $21 million contract. In today's dollars, that's 22.4. Von Miller's contract in 2016 with the Broncos was $19 million. In today's dollars, $24.6 million. And then Khalil Mack signed with the Bears, fourth highest paid edge rusher ever. Again, we're not talking about real dollars. We're talking about as a percentage. It's actually, it's actually tied. He's tied for third. In today's dollars, that's worth 26.6. Mario Williams with the Bills in 2012 got the same contract. The only two that are higher, 2009 with the Carolina Panthers, Julius Pepper. He signed a $16.7 million contract worth, in today's dollars, 27.2. And then the craziest of the craziest, jumping from $27 million to $34 million at 17% of the cap. We're talking massive quarterback money. Michael Strahan, 1999, signed a $9.7 million contract, $12 million guaranteed. By the way, that he got paid the equivalent of Carson Wentz's contract. Same thing, 17%. That's what Carson Wentz got. When he signed his $32 million contract, exact same thing that Michael Strahan got with the Giants. That's just mind-blowing to me. i got to pick up the pace. Linebackers, right? What, what do we got to pay a linebacker? And this, this could be significant. Because if we let Blake go and we do sign a top-tier linebacker, right? think about how crazy linebackers were last. Like, oh, this is nuts. C.J. Mosley getting $17 million is dumb. Why would somebody do that? Which, by the way, is the equivalent of $18 million this year. The fact of the matter is that was only the uh, seventh-highest contract ever signed. Luke Keekley's contract in 2015 was the equivalent of 17.2. Miles Jack with the Jaguars in, in 2019 for $14.25 million. That made the list. Deion Jones, 14.2. So the, the question is, where does this person that we're going to sign fall? Because Bobby Wagner got an $18 million contract that is the equivalent of $19.2 million. Now, that's, that's ridiculously high, and I don't know that anyone's going to go higher than that because, and this is kind of crazy, this was one of my favorite players as a kid that was a non-packer, probably my only one. Of the top six 
highest contracts ever given to a linebacker. Four of them are this one guy. Here's your hint. He signed contracts in 1994, 1996, 1998, and 2000. He must have just kept getting extensions because these are all three- and four-year contracts. Four of the six highest linebacker contracts ever. The sixth uh, highest overall ever. 1998, Chargers paid Junior Seau the equivalent of $18.8 million. In 1996, they paid Junior Seau the equivalent of 22.4. By the way, his actual salary, $4.5 million. The equivalent of 22.4 in 1996. In 1994, second highest ever, Junior Seau got paid $4 million. That's the equivalent of 23.2. And then in 2000, he got a three-year contract averaging $10.2 million, which is the equivalent of 23.6. So that by itself is interesting. But again, we want to go out and pay a big high-dollar linebacker. What's it going to cost? Well, the lowest on this list of, of the top 20 is Shaq Thompson. The Panthers paid him. million. That's the equivalent of 14.4. I don't know how we go out and get a top-tier linebacker for less than that. Again, look at how many high-dollar ones. All the big ones last year, there were four of them. Deion Jones, Miles Jack, C.J. Mosley, and Bobby Wagner. I would say that you should expect to spend, I mean, if if we're talking about a top, an actual, like, this guy is is legit. He's the guy. 100%. He's going to come in. He's going to fix this stuff. You're looking at $15 bucks. It's a high-risk proposition. But then again, so and so is drafting one. So I don't know. But again, this is this is where we're at now. Fifteen through about nineteen is where top tier linebackers are going. Cornerbacks, this is super crazy. Not only and by the way, cornerbacks clearly used to get paid more than they do now, which is surprising because we talk about how valuable corners are. There's only two active contracts in the top twenty. Neither of them are recent contracts. Patrick Peterson is the 11th highest that he signed in 2014 for 14 million was the equivalent of 21 million dollars and Josh Norman in 2016 terrible contract 15 million a year in today's dollars that's 19.4. So it's kind of hard because you said what's the going rate today? Well, I don't know because these are all at least expired contracts. They're not necessarily old. Tremaine Johnson in 2016, Tremaine Johnson in 2017. But let's do this. I don't think there are any massive crazy, you know, high dollar, super high worth corners. But but let's just look at in the top 20, the lowest is Champ Bailey in 2011 with the Broncos signed a $10.7 million contract. That is the equivalent of 17.8. That's our frame of reference. You want to massively pay a corner? Which by the way, this is what Jair and Kevin King have to look forward to if they can get their act together. I don't know if Kevin King will ever get this contract because what can you do in one year? But if Jair can put together two to three years of, of top tier play this is the money he's looking at he's looking at 20 million easy but 17.8 million is is the 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 baseline for superstar contract that's 8.9 percent most of these guys are over 10 percent 10 percent obviously being 20 million dollars and that's the thing you look at these names these are these are big names right Darrell Revis Darrell Revis in 2015 his contract was the equivalent of about 19.6 Richard Sherman in 2014 signed a 14 million dollar contract that's the equivalent of 21 Charles Woodson with the Raiders in 2004 was the equivalent of 21.8. By the way, we're only at number 10. These numbers are about to get super crazy. By the way, highest paid player of all time was not a quarterback. It was a cornerback. Highest paid player ever was a cornerback. Uh, Champ Bailey in 2004, $22.4 million. Darrell Revis in 2014 with the Patriots, $24 million. Charles Woodson in 2005, 24.6. 
Ty Law with the Patriots. Remember how good that dude was in 1999? A six-year contract was $7.3 million. It's the equivalent of $25.6 million. We're only at number five. By the way, we got four guys left. Three of them are from the highest paid of all time. Three of the top highest contracts ever went to one guy, and one of these contracts is so silly and ridiculous, there's no way this was a good contract. I don't care how good the guy was. But let's skip to number three because it's not this guy, Darrell Revis. Third highest contract of all time. 2013, he signed a $16 million contract. That is the equivalent of a $26 million contract. The highest paid ever, Mr. Deion Sanders. Fourth highest contract ever was with the Redskins. In 2000, he signed an $8 million contract. That's the equivalent of 25.8. In 1995, he signed a contract worth $5 million, which is the equivalent of $27.2 million. So think about that. We already know that Brett Favre got a contract worth $38 million. The second highest contract for corners is twenty-seven. How big of a contract jump is this? In 1999, Deion Sanders signed a contract worth $11.25 million, which is 19.6% of the salary cap, or in today's dollars, $39.2 million. $39.2 for Deion Sanders. He got one-fifth of all the Cowboys' money. I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. Blows my mind. It's not even quarterback money, man. That's 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 ridiculous. Anyways, safeties. A um, lot of high-dollar safety. Several of them in 2019. The ninth, eighth, seventh, and sixth highest contracts ever signed were last year. Um, the tenth highest paid uh, safety ever is Eddie Jackson signed in 2020. I think that's the only 2020 on this list. But Eddie Jackson just got paid 14.6. Obviously, that's the equivalent of 14.6. However, safeties don't really have like crazy... I mean, superstar money is 13 to 16. All right, the 20th highest was Harrison Smith with the Vikings in 2016, the equivalent of 13 point Highest ever, Troy Polamalu with the Steelers in 2011, signed a $10 million contract, the equivalent of 16.4 this year. So they don't have anyone that's gotten like crazy money. Safeties are just safeties, man. Even when you're paying them a lot, you're just kind of paying them whatever, right? I mean, the difference between giving a guy like $8 million and giving him superstar money at $13 million, like, if you want superstar money, I guess we can afford it. It's not that big of a deal, but pretty irrelevant. I don't think we're going to sign a safety. I don't think we're necessarily going to draft one, except maybe later. Although they could, if you're looking real hard for that number three safety, or if one falls into your lap. But either way, the salary cap thing isn't going to be that big of a deal. I don't even know. Are there any superstar safeties available? I don't think so. So I don't expect a lot of big high-dollar safety signing. Otherwise, kickers, seems dumb, but Mason Crosby, we do have to figure out what to do with him. He's a free agent. To give you the spectrum of the top 20, the lowest in the top 20 was Graham Gano with the Panthers in 2014, equivalent of 4.6. Highest ever, Phil Dawson in 2012 signed a one-year contract worth 3.8, equivalent in today's dollars, 6.4 million. That's the top. However, Mason Crosby's on this list, so why don't we just look at what he got paid last time and go from there. 2016, he signed a four-year contract worth $4 million a year, 16.1 total. In today's dollars, that's the equivalent of 5.2. Does anybody have a problem giving $5 bucks to Mason Crosby? Because I don't. We paid him 5.2 last time. Let's give him 5.2 this time. If you want to give him 5.4 or 5.8, go ahead. I don't care. I just want to make sure we have Mason Crosby and don't get stuck into this double-doink cycle where we can't find a kicker to save our lives. And then we start getting rumors like the Bears where we're looking at drafting a kicker and everyone's laughing at us because that's a little bit funny. I don't want to be in those shoes. 
By the way, punters get the exact same amount of money, roughly uh, highest 3.3, which is $6.6 million. Shane Leckler for the Raiders in 2009 signed that. And because I did the work, long snappers obviously get the least amount. The highest ever was 0.9% of the salary cap. LP LaDuciere for the Cowboys in 2013 signed a $1.1 million contract, which is the equivalent of 1.8. We don't have a very good long snapper. At least he's not very well-renowned. So I doubt he would even get this much money. So I'm not worried about it, but it's interesting. So anyways, there you go. And I've got this all done up, the top 20. I have um, highlighted in green the current contract so it's easy to read. I've got the player, the team, the year signed, the years, the value, the average per year, the guaranteed, the APY as a percentage, and then the 2020 value is what this, how this is laid out. And then I have tabs on the bottom for all the positions. Again, I'm planning on putting that on Patreon for your perusal and for your reference. Um, and again, you can jump in for as little as a dollar a month to get this and all the other things that you've been hearing on this podcast, all my notes if I do this, these kinds of projects. I'll be sure to put it on Patreon. Otherwise, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.